Welcome back to Spoiler Free Wrestling, everyone. It's our weekly flagship show, and we've got producer Amy in the house as well. Hello, producer Amy. Hello, podcaster Ian. Oh, wow. Uh, so, first, what we're going to do is we're going to break down all the news in the world of wrestling this week, and there was plenty of news. Then we're going to go and review the two matches which producer Amy and I watched this week and we chose the final two matches on night two of Honor Rising, Ring of Honor's annual trek into Korokan Hall from Tokyo, Japan. Two big tag team matches. Amy, are you looking forward to talking about the Gorillas of Destiny versus Evil and Sonata and the Briscoes versus Finn Juice? I sure am. Well, how could you not be, really? All right, so but let's start off and we're going through everything that happened in the news this week. And we are starting things off with the news that, yes, Degeneration X is being inducted into the WWE Hall of Fame. But the really big news here is that China is being included along with them. And if you've been following Spoiler Free Wrestling this week, uh, you know that we've been posting all the videos that China's uh, social media team... Uh, has been put out there. China's got a team, I, I guess, of her friends and family who want to see her wrestling career give the credit that it's due. And it does now appear that that's going to be happening as China is going to be finally going in to the WWE Hall of Fame. But the controversy here, producer Amy, is not totally over as some fans are saying, well, she deserves to go in on her own. She deserves to go in um, getting the sole attention as, a, as opposed to uh, just being a member of a faction. And X-Pac, Sean Waltman, who, of course, for a long time was in a relationship with China, he sort of said on this note, look, you, you've got to just take a win when you get it. And I agree on this because while China might not be getting the solo introduction she will now always be referred to as WWE Hall of Famer China. She and and that little add-on I think is important. And maybe we should remember it's not a real Hall of Fame. There's no voting like this. The WWE Hall of Fame and the UFC Hall of Fames aren't real Hall of Fames. A real Hall of Fame, like the Baseball Hall of Fame, the Hockey Hall of Fame, uh, even the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, which I learned about this week. Uh, the inductees are voted on usually by members of the press or people in the business. In the UFC, it's completely up to Dana White. In the WWE, it's completely up to Vince McMahon. So it's not really a Hall of Fame. It's a Hall of Honoring. Vince McMahon is honoring these people. But like, fame means lots of people. Hall of Fame means these people had a huge um, uh, in, impact on the industry. And the reason why it is normally, like with the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, it's 600 people are involved in the voting for it. I don't even know, like, I don't even know what it is um, in other sports, but like 600 for the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, it's hundreds, it's hundreds. In the UFC, it's one person. In uh, WWE, it's one person. So again, not really a Hall of Fame, but it's important for China's legacy. China broke barriers in women's wrestling. 
before China, WWE had tried quite a bit to make some money off female wrestlers. Um, but it had never gone really how they want to. Go all the way back to the mid-80s when Vince McMahon took over WWE. There were two stars he pushed immediately once they struck that deal with MTV to get on MTV. Uh, and those two wrestlers were Hulk Hogan and Wendy Richter. Producer Amy, Amy, have you ever heard of the name Wendy Richter? No, I have not. Yeah, and, and you live with me. And I know all sorts of stuff about wrestling. Wendy Richter was picked to be the top female star in the company. And MTV wanted women right there with men. They wanted Wendy Richter and Cyndi Lauper in their feud versus the fabulous Moolah and Captain Lou Albano. That they wanted to be as big as Hogan versus Piper. They did two MTV specials. One with Richter versus um, Moolah and one with Hogan versus Piper. And Hogan versus Piper blew everything out of the water. Whereas Wendy Richter and Moolah didn't. And Hogan... That starts the big Saturday night's main event deal with NBC. WWE moves away from MTV. And the women's title is just forgotten about. It's just, after the rock and wrestling era ended, uh, it was just forgotten about Wendy Richter. They're like, this didn't work. They tried it again 10 years later with Alundra Blaze. Nobody cared. Didn't work. Moved on. And they didn't start making money from female performers until Sonny. And Sonny made money because she was a sex symbol. And so that sent the message to WWE that, hey, you can make money from female performers as long as they're sex symbols. And they didn't learn differently until China. Now, granted, China had a bunch of public or uh, plastic surgery done and ended up posing in Playboy. But China, became, China didn't become famous for being a sex symbol. China became famous for being a badass female wrestler. And she was the first person in the modern era so not including like the pre-tv era where um uh you know women wrestlers were filling arenas but in the modern era of tv china was the first to be a badass female wrestler who could uh get people out to the arenas or get people cheering for her she, i'm not sure if she was getting people out to the arenas but um, that's the influence that China had on the industry, but because she is Triple H's former girlfriend and Triple H goes, is now married to Vince McMahon's daughter, and because she might have done some adult entertainment, there has been this shoving China under the rug. And we didn't get her out completely from the rug, from under the rug by inducting her into the Hall of Fame, but she's out a little bit. She's out way... Many people thought she'd never be in the Hall of Fame. Many people thought that when they inducted DX into the Hall of Fame, they wouldn't induct her with them. But they have. And so that's a win. And that's very good. And China's story actually leads into another story that happened this week in wrestling concerning female wrestlers. I'm just going to take a drink from my smoothie first before we discuss this. Producer Amy... You know Paige, the wrestler Paige. Yep. Not intimately, but I know of her. Okay. Well, Paige 
you know, unfortunately very long, young, still in her mid-20s and has to has had to retire because of spinal stenosis. And she has this big movie that's out now called uh, Fighting With My Family. And it's all about her life, the rocks in it. And it's got over 90% approval on Rotten Tomatoes. Uh, Amy will probably wait till it's on iTunes before we watch it. That's cool, though. Good for her. Yeah, and good for The Rock. But she was out promoting this movie, and she made some comments that were a little controversial. So she said when she got to WWE in 2014, she didn't feel WWE was holding back the women. She felt that the fans were holding back the women by not taking them as seriously. Now, this got a whole bunch of fans who... I'm assuming weren't around five years ago or don't remember what things were like five years ago. They got all upset saying, oh, what? she's just towing the company line and the women weren't presented seriously and that's why we couldn't take them seriously. But I think the story I told about WWE's history of trying to push women in the main event level is relevant here. Wendy Richter was basically the second person Vince McMahon Jr. ever tried to push to a main event status, and it failed. He tried again with Alundra Blaze, and it failed. And then he started making money with Sonny and Sable, and that sent the message to WWE that women make money by being sex symbols. Or in, in the case of, uh, you know, and by the time Paige was around, China, who is the the one person, the one female wrestler who was getting by on just being a badass, um, she was out of wrestling. And so at this point, WWE, the only way they'd had experience making a good amount of money from female wrestlers was by putting them in Playboy. So it's not surprising that WWE wasn't treating female wrestlers Seriously, at the time, because Vince McMahon had spent 30 years at that point only making money from female wrestlers when they were going in Playboy or wrestling in bra and panties matches. So I think the fans who were getting so upset at Paige for saying that WWE didn't hold back uh, women need to kind of look at the, the full scope of the situation. WWE has tried to push women from the beginning. They'll push anything that they think makes money. And the reason they weren't pushing the women in 2014 is because the fans had showed WWE that they weren't money at that time. There was, there's one person more responsible than any other in the world for making women's wrestling as successful as it is currently where, where it's being treated on par. And she's the same person responsible for the same thing happening in MMA. And that person's name is Ronda Rousey. Because Ronda Rousey could draw, I, I, I mean, like China was a character. You know, you weren't coming to the arena for China, but she was there and you thought she was cool. Ronda Rousey gets people to go to the arena just for her. And when she was drawing numbers on pay-per-view, not Brock Lesnar numbers, but not Conor McGregor numbers, but good number. Actually, no, she was drawing around Brock Lesnar numbers. Sorry, not Conor McGregor numbers. That then sent the message to WWE that, oh, 
wait a second, we can make money like this. So it's uh, when it comes to those comments that Paige made, um, I got to tell you, I can I absolutely believe 100 percent that Paige was not just towing the company line. I believe Paige felt from the fans in 2014 that they weren't taking her matches as seriously as they did in the later part of her career when women's wrestling was being taken more seriously. So I do believe that Paige was telling the truth and not just uh, towing the company line there a little bit. And I think we all need to maybe, uh, you know, wake up and realize the, the world wasn't very progressive in 2014. It definitely wasn't in the 80s. And pretending that it was is really kind of ridiculous. Uh, Amy, anything else that you'd like to uh, mention on this whole page thing? No, I don't think so. I mean, I, I just have to say I, I really agree with you, and it's it's true. It's it's not fair to how do I say it? Like the okay, the the fans that are giving Paige um slack or flat flack slack on Twitter are saying that um the reason they weren't taking women's wrestling seriously at the time is because it wasn't presented seriously. But yeah, it, and I, but it's been presented serious. Like it was presented yeah. seriously in the '80s. It was presented seriously in the '90s, and then when Sunny came around, it was presented as the Howard Stern Show. And the two serious attempts never made any money, but the Howard Stern Show attempt made a lot of money. So, like, but the fans are the ones. But like, if the fans had supported Alundra Blaze, um, women's wrestling would have been where it's at now a long time ago. If wrestling fans had supported Wendy Richter the way they supported Hulk Hogan, things would be totally different. But we can't yeah. ju we can't just pretend that the fans were clamoring for women's wrestling all along and WWE just wasn't giving it to them. That's not the case. Yeah. That's just not true. Exactly. And that that's just like blaming the media for doing what makes money, like doing its job and giving people what's popular, what they want. Like I'm I'm just thinking of other, you know, TV show, like a lot of TV shows and movies are becoming more diverse now, more yeah. diverse cast, right? But that's not just because the media was like, oh, we should do this because it's the right thing to do. It was because fans started asking for yeah. more, you know, diversity represented. Mm -hmm. Now, with the women's evolution, it's a little tricky because... There were some people at the time, and this is around like 2014, 2015. So this is right when Ronda Rousey is kind of breaking the bank with pay-per-views for the UFC. And there were women like AJ Lee who was saying like, you know, this just isn't being treated seriously. Well, Gail Kim in the early 2000s, she just straight up left because it wasn't being treated seriously enough. But the issue really is like, WWE will do whatever they think makes the money. And I I know because I lived through multiple attempts at them trying to market women's wrestling as serious and as on par with the men's. And it was the fans rejecting it, not the company abandoning it, that, um, you know, was the result. So, like, it's pretty hard for me to say that Paige isn't right. Paige is right, uh, you know. But WWE had a very eventful week 
in terms of roster movement, several releases have been announced. Arn Anderson, who had been with the company since 2001 after WCW closed, he was fired. Now, all we knew was the pro wrestling, pro wrestling sheet, the media outlet, was reporting that he was gone from WWE. Then this morning, Dave Meltzer says that his sources told him that Arn Anderson had been fired for some issue that took place at, on a house show. But the bigger issue is that Arn Anderson has a lot of supporters in WWE, possibly the two biggest being Triple H and John Cena. And sort of the argument being that if John Cena was full-time, that maybe Arn Anderson wouldn't have been released. So Cody has mentioned that he's a big Arn Anderson fan as well. So I think it's quite possible that Arn could continue to work with, work in the, uh, that Arn would go on to work with AEW in the same role that he'd been working at WWE. And I think that's a fairly, um, I think there's a good chance of that happening. So Ty Dillinger was also released. He had requested his release. However, unlike with several others, such as The Revival, who had requested their release, in the case of Ty Dillinger, he was granted his release. And Cody, one of several executive vice presidents of All Elite Wrestling, uh, Cody and Ty Dillinger were tag team partners in Ohio Valley Wrestling in about 2007. They also feuded with each other there. So there is a pre-existing relationship with Ty Dillinger and Cody. Cody has also gone on the record saying any pro wrestling company would be lucky to have Ty Dillinger on their roster. Hideo Tommy was also given his uh, release. Now, that's not a surprise. He had made it uh, public that he had asked for his release. In the case of Hideo Itami, I would say it's pretty likely he ends up back in pro wrestling Noah in Japan. And TJ Perkins, the winner of the 2016 Cruiserweight Classic, he uh, was also let go by the company. Now, there's some shadiness in terms of TJP's release. He had gone on Twitter and publicly said that, you know, he's sick of sitting on the bench. He's sick of not contributing. And he felt that uh, he could have performed the role that WWE is now putting Ricochet in. Or perhaps the role that they're now putting Mustafa Ali in. So TJP is gone. And there are more changes going on in WWE. Matt Hardy mentioned that he's only got 11 days left on his contract. And we don't know where the Hardy boys are going to end up. And we know the Hardy boys might be interested in talking to the Young Bucks. The last match the Hardy boys had before signing with WWE was against the Hardys in Ring of Honor. On the night before WrestleMania 33, when the Hardys returned to WWE and won the Raw SmackDown Tag Team Championships. So the Hardys might be leaving. They might be staying. Depends on how much money I'm sure they're offered. I think WWE has a lot to offer the Hardys in terms of the specials they can do on the WWE Network and things of that nature. Bruce Pritchard is back in WWE working in a creative role, something he's done throughout the years quite a bit. 
but a lot going on in WWE in terms of people leaving, old people coming back in. And it's just a very busy time in the world of professional wrestling as in three months now, we're almost just three months away from Double or Nothing, a new promotion with a large budget hits the pro wrestling scene. All right. That's all the news going on in wrestling. I guess the only other uh, things worth talking about, Kota Ibushi did an interview where he said he doesn't plan on going anywhere else. He's just going to be with New Japan Pro Wrestling. And it does not appear that Kota Ibushi has any plans on ever going to All Elite Wrestling at this point. Um, however, he might not have plans for it, but if there is some partnership struck up between AEW and New Japan Pro Wrestling then we could see Kota Ibushi in AEW, but right now there is nothing that says that is on the table. And Kofi Kingston was awarded, or he will be given a title shot against Daniel Bryan at Fastlane. Of course, Kofi Kingston has been with the WWE since the mid-2000s. A lot of fans, a lot of longtime fans would love to see Kofi finally win a world title. He'll have a chance to do that on March 10th, as he did at the Elimination Chamber last Sunday, where he was the last one eliminated by the defending and still reigning champion, Daniel Bryan. But now, producer Amy, let's go into the two wrestling matches that we reviewed together this week, or that we watched together this week. There was a few options as to what we would go with. I thought about showing you the Elimination Chamber match, uh, either of the Elimination Chamber matches from last weekend. The one was the women's tag team uh, to the crown the, the first WWE women's tag team champions in like 40 years since the mid-80s. Uh, of course, WWE is saying it's the first time they've ever had women's tag team championships, but that's just kind of how they do things. Um, and then the other other Elimination Chamber match was Daniel Bryan and the whole story being um, Kofi Kingston finally getting that shot. But instead, we decided to go with the two last matches from Honor Rising Night 2. So this was yesterday in Corican Hall. And I'll just set the 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 setting for you night one of honor rising uh the briscoe brothers and the gorillas of destiny were on the same team in an eight-man tag but they've never gotten along they feuded over the iwgp heavyweight tag team titles in 2016 the briscoe brothers actually beat the tongans for those titles at dominion in 2016 but then lost it back to the tongans at King of Pro Wrestling that year, four months later. So there's a history between these two teams. And so after their tag match on Friday night, they came to blows, the Briscoes and the G.O.D. And then yesterday, at night two of Honor Rising, it's the Gorillas of Destiny challenging Evil and Sonata for the IWGP heavyweight tag team titles and the Briscoes looking to defend their ROH tag team titles against Juice Robinson and David Finley. So that's the lead in. Then we start with the Gorillas of Destiny. Producer Amy, what are your first thoughts of the Tongans? 
versus Evil and Sonata yesterday? Uh, it was very exciting. And what did you think of Evil and Sonata's jackets that they wore to the ring? Oh, they were awesome. They were awesome. I, I was pointing this out to producer Amy because um, a lot of New Japan pro wrestling guys come to the ring in really elaborate get-ups. But when you're in Cork and Hall, it's only like a 10-foot walk to the ring. So you're basically putting on this big elaborate jacket. Then you're kind of walking six or seven steps. And then you're taking it all off and going in the ring. But this was a, a really important match for the Gorillas of Destiny, as a, I was telling producer Amy, because of what's happened in the World Tag League the last couple of years, what's happened at Wrestle Kingdom the last couple of years, where, and this sort of bothered me a little bit, Chris Charlton was going on about how, oh, the Gorillas of Destiny, they're one of the greatest IWGP tag team champions of all time because they've won the titles so many times. But... I, that's such a flawed stat. The stat of how many times you win the titles is so flawed because you you win the titles more if you lose them, right? So, like, Ric Flair, to be a 16-time world champion, had to lose the titles 15 times. And so, say, if Ric Flair lost and regained the title three times in a year, that's under this statistic, is worth three times as much as when CM Punk held the title for an entire year. So I don't like using this stat of, oh, this is how many times you won the titles. Because it doesn't really say how great of a tag team you were. So if you look at like how many, like number of reigns, the Gorillas of Destiny are tied for second. But if, but on all other Stats, you have to go way down the line to find out where they are. In, in terms of days spent with the championships, they rank 19th out of the 55 teams that have ever won the titles. They've only held the titles for 272 combined days. Whereas if you com compare that to the two other teams that have uh, as many reigns, I mean, it's nothing. Uh, Hiro Yoshi, Tenzan, and Masahiro Chono also have five reigns. They defend the titles 12 times and held the titles for 1,010 days. Ten Kozi has six title reigns, and that's Tenzan and Satoshi Kojima, and they held it for 929 days. The Gorillas of Destiny have five reigns, have defended them twice, and only held them for 272 days. Literally, the, the Dudley boys have a better record with the titles than the Gorillas of Destiny do. The Dudley boys have held the titles twice, defended them five times, and held the titles for 276 days. And, and Togi Maccabee and Toru Yano have held and defended the titles for longer than the Gorillas of Destiny. So it's saying that the Gorillas of Destiny are one of the most highly decorated teams in New Japan Pro Wrestling history is wrong. Is <laughs> not correct. But they have won the titles a lot of times. Now, Evil and Sonata, it's a bit different of a story. Evil and Sonata, since 2016, when they became a team, have just dominated. They've won the World Tag League twice. They've come away from Wrestle Kingdom with the tag titles. And they've just seemed to have the Gorillas of Destiny's number. They've beat them, beat them twice in a row in the World Tag League Finals. Now, the Gorillas of Destiny did beat Evil and Sonata in the round robin 
in the World Tag League this year, but they lost to them in the finals. So really, if the Gorillas of Destiny lost this match to Evil and Sonata, I, I, I think you would just have to basically say they can't beat this team, that Evil and Sonata is the better team. But that, luckily for Bullet Club fans, that's not what happened. The Gorillas of Destiny defeated Evil and Sonata. Yado, or J Jado, Yado. I mix Gato and Jado. I screw up their names. And, but uh, uh, so Jado got involved with the kendo stick to Sonata's head early. Uh, and that would sort of change the tide. And that was sort of the story of the matches. The Gorillas of Destiny really started to put things together after Jado hit Sonata in the head with a kendo stick. Evelyn Sonata would come back. But uh, after a ref bump, Red Shoes was refereeing, and he got taken out in the later stages of the match. Jado then comes back in. Evelyn Sonata have to turn their attention to him, which allows the Tongans to gain control again. And they ended up finishing off the match with a super power bomb, which is the finisher that Gato and Jado used to use. And um, they've started using that finisher uh, since last year, which is sort of notable since Evil and Sonata also use the Magic Killer as their finisher. So the Gorillas of Destiny got the big win over Evil and Sonata. Producer Amy, you look like you have something to say. No, I, I was just going to say, I, I thought it was really well done, like, because they kept switching back and forth who had the upper hand. Like, I had no idea who was going to win, and it kept, I mean, maybe that's just me and my not knowing, but... Um, well, I didn't know who was going to win either. Yeah. I mean, in hindsight, you look back on it and say, well, they were clearly building up the Briscoes for, and the Gorillas of Destiny for Madison Square Garden, but I, that hadn't really popped into my mind because and you didn't know that at the time no 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 we didn't know that the tongans were going to win and that's what that's what and we talked about this a bit last week that to me is what makes wrestling the most exciting it can be when you want someone to win and you don't know who's going to win it really allows you to suspend your disbelief more and now, granted, you're supposed to cheer for Evil and Sonata. You're not supposed to cheer for the Tongans. But my Haku fandom uh, won't let me do anything different. But even if you're cheering for the heels, I mean, you can still cheer for the heels to cheat and win and things like that. But no, I didn't know going into this match that the Gorillas of Destiny were going to beat Evil and Sonata. However, going into the next match... I did absolutely know that the Briscoes were going to beat Finn Juice. And I would like to issue a small complaint towards Ring of Honor booking that, that does this sometimes. So, coming into this match between Finn Juice and the Briscoe brothers, I knew the Briscoe brothers weren't going to lose the ROH Tag Team Championships because they have another Ring of Honor match for the tag team title scheduled for March 17th or their yeah. March 15th. Okay, so I knew that. I knew they weren't going to lose. And Ring of Honor is one of the only promotions that does this. 
And they will say like, oh, okay, well, you know, we would change the schedule if a title change happens. But their advertising is all, oh, it's, you know, Villain Enterprises versus the Briscoes, not versus whoever is the tag team champions. And I'm sure over their history, it's happened once or twice where they've changed things around and gone back on what they advertise. But I, you know, one of the big matches advertised for the anniversary show is Villain Enterprises versus the Briscoe Brothers. So I knew going into this match that Finn Juice was not going to beat the Briscoe Brothers. And I gotta say, that's a shot at ROH booking. You know, if you don't, like, you should have booked the ROH anniversary match as Villain Enterprises takes on either Finn Juice or the Briscoes, whoever wins in Honor Rising. But they've played it all up as it's Villain Enterprises versus the Briscoes. Okay, so... Everybody knew that wasn't going to get changed to, to Villain Enterprises versus Finn Juice. Uh, you know, so that's, that's I feel, a legit complaint against ROH booking. If you, you know, if they hadn't made it clear it was going to be Villain Enterprises and the Briscoes at the anniversary show, and instead just said it was going to be Villain Enterprises challenging whoever is the champions... Of course, they're figuring that's not going to be as big of a draw because the Briscoes are, you know, a big name. Um, but still, you know, that affected my enjoyment of Finn Juice versus the Briscoes because I knew who was going to win the whole time. Okay. So let's go into that match, the Briscoes versus Finn Juice. Amy, I know you're a big Juice Robinson fan. You've seen him wrestle a few times live. Yeah, sorry, I was just thinking about how Finn juice sounds like the least appetizing form of juice ever. Makes me think of, like, shark fin soup. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, I, yeah. I don't think it's from that. I, think it's I like Juice name. Robinson, but I just, I feel like Mark Briscoe and the Briscoe, like, they have such a stage presence, and they just have such a commanding oh, personality. Yeah. Like, I was watching them the whole time. I don't know. Well, it was, I mean. There's just something about them. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, the highlight of Honor Rising, the two night shows, 14 or 15 wrestling matches, none of them could compare to Mark Briscoe's post-match interview. <laughs> Would close the show, he just gets on the mic and just in pure Mark Briscoe fashion goes, like, what do you see? He goes, Cork and Hall, baby! And that was like, Tokyo, baby! Origato! And then that was it. That closed the show. Yeah. yeah, that was awesome. Yeah, the Briscoes have a lot of, uh, you know, stage. But I mean, the Briscoes, the Briscoes have been around for nearly two decades at this point. Um, they were mentioning on the show that Jay Briscoe was on the first ever Ring of Honor card. Mark Briscoe was in his corner, but only he was only in his corner because he hadn't yet turned 18. So wasn't old enough to wrestle yet. I mean, they are mainstays in Ring of Honor, and they've always stayed loyal to Ring of Honor. Now, going into this match, I do have an injury update on David Finley, and his shoulder did pop out. So this match was shorter than expected. We'll just, well, I mean, it was just shorter than it was supposed to be. Um, so the end of the match came, the David Finley... Uh, delivered a suplex off the turnbuckle, started clutching his shoulder after, 
Red Shoes came over, and then right after that, they went right into the finish. So they just threw Juice Robinson into the pole, uh, yeah. and he just goes out of the ring. Jay Briscoe holds on to David Finley's legs, and then David Finley kind of motions his left shoulder away from Mark Briscoe as Mark Briscoe hit the froggy bow and got the pin. Um, so an update on this story. Uh, it doesn't, like, he's had trouble with that shoulder. There were wrestling observers saying, like, they had to pop his shoulder back in or something, but he definitely hurt his shoulder. Uh, as for if it's going to be anything that's going to affect him long term, uh, don't really know. There's no answers to that question. But, I mean, that must have been, obviously, they didn't have to change around who won because uh, it was uh, definitely the, the Briscoes who were always going to retain the titles there. Um, that's sort of one thing about the Finn Juice tag team. See, Juice Robinson is, they love him in Japan. He's a big star. David Finley is just sort of getting his, uh, um, he's just sort of coming up in terms of popularity a little bit, but they'll always, they have no problem pinning David Finley. Like David Finley gets pinned in tag team matches quite a bit. Um, so when you look at that match, there's four wrestlers in that match. They're not going to pin Jay or Mark Briscoe because they want them strong going into Madison Square Garden. They're not going to pin Juice Robinson because they just want him strong, period. So the only person who was ever going to eat a pin in that match was going to be David Finley. Uh, so then after the match, the Gorillas of Destiny come out and challenge the Briscoe brothers to title a title versus title match in Madison Square Garden, the IWGP Heavyweight Tag Team Champions versus the ROH Tag Team Champions. Title versus title. One team comes away with two sets of belts. Amy, are you going to watch that one April 6th? Yeah, definitely. Definitely. I think we should just say that April 6th for that week, we'll just watch the, uh, the final matches from Madison Square Garden. Well, I'll be watching the whole show, of course. WrestleMania weekend, there's quite a lot to go over. I want to see Impact Wrestling is doing a show the night before with Rob Van Dam and Sabu going up against Pentagon and Phoenix. I want to see that. That really is, that really feels more than anything like a, here's some guys from one generation that really inspired these guys from another generation and they're going to wrestle each other. Um, that's going to be a, a good match. Like, they'll, that'll be good. And so Impact Wrestling has actually moved that show from Twitch onto pay-per-view, which makes a ton of sense, um, given just how many people... I think so many... A lot of old-school ECW fans are kind of getting into Impact Wrestling a little bit because you've got Don Callis there. Don Callis, obviously very influenced by the booking... He experienced in ECW. You've got Tommy Dreamer there. Ravens showed up. A lot of hardcore wrestling. Um, so, yeah, that's also coming. So we might watch that WrestleMania weekend as well. But anything else that you just wanted to add before we move away from Honor Rising in Cork and Hall? Producer Amy. I don't think so. Well, now you've seen the... Bri okay, so you've seen Mark Briscoe versus PCO last week. Well, you've seen the Briscoes mm -hmm. live quite a bit. Because every time we've gotten a Ring of Honor, the Briscoes are always there. Yeah. 
Now, I oh, ooh, there's another thing I wanted to mention about Ring of Honor. Ring of Honor is back in their smaller arenas now. Uh, if you remember in Las Vegas last year, they were in the Orleans Arena. And now they're back in Samstown Live. So they've gone back to the smaller arenas they started booking when they had the Elite. Which means when they come to Toronto, producer Amy, they're going to be back in the Ted Reeve Arena. I don't know if I can go back there. I don't know if I can go back in the Ted Reeve Arena. Why? Well, I mean, okay, so remember, in the Ted Reeve Arena, it's just not a good wrestling venue. And Ring of Honor, mm. they'll put like 10 rows of seats, just not elevated, just flat on the uh. ground. And if you're in any of those seats, you actually can't see the mat. Like, all you're doing is facing the head in front of you. And I can't understand why Ring of Honor hasn't, like, actually, like, why are they, like, if you put somebody in the 10th row on the floor, that person can't see shit. And why they keep doing that, I don't know. In the Madame Athletic Center, you had these stanchions Mm. that were elevated. Mm -hmm. So you could see everything. I'm not going back to the Ted Reeve Arena. I'm not. There's, they, they shouldn't be putting on shows there. Um, you tell them. Yeah, I, I, I'm a little upset with Ring of Honor today. They let me know that the Briscoes were winning the main event, and uh, they booked the Ted Reeve Arena. Why the Ted Reeve Arena? Literally, just go to the rec room, or go to the Phoenix, or go somewhere that's designed for wrestling. It's a kids' hockey arena. You have to look through like, um arena glass like they don't even remove the the glass or the plastic or whatever from the from the board so you have to look through that we're not going we're not going in may when they come we're probably still going but right now i'm saying we're not going okay all right okay so that'll uh do it for honor rising night two want to talk a little bit about what's coming up this week and what you can expect on spoiler free wrestling now producer amy and i uh, we'll be traveling, so there will not be probably any more videos until just before the New Japan Cup starts, which is the second week of March. Uh, as we're going to be away, we'll try to update the site as much as possible uh, during that time. But when we get, we'll be back in time for the New Japan Cup and Fastlane is that weekend as well. Although I'm not sure if there's much to look forward to for Fastlane. Uh, then what's coming up? Then basically it's just the New Japan Cup. Then we go right into WrestleMania weekend where we've got the ROH and New Japan shows, everything WWE does. So basically we've got a vacation, then we've got the New Japan Cup, then we're right into WrestleMania season. All right. Exciting. I feel like I should give a little bit of an update of what's going on in WWE since it is WrestleMania season. Uh, Well, we mentioned a little bit like Kofi Kingston is going to be challenging Daniel Bryan for the WWE Championship. The Usos, remember I went on that long rant last week about how nothing would happen to Jimmy Uso as a result of uh, his arrest? Yeah. Yeah, not only did nothing happen to him, um, a week ago today, he won the tag team titles along with his brother uh, at the elimination pay-per-view. Now, the Usos have the contracts coming up in April as well. So you've got the Usos and the Hardys, whose contracts might be coming due. And we know AEW wants to beef up their tag team roster. So we'll just see. I have a feeling both the Hardys and the Usos are going to end up re-signing with WWE. 
just based on what the guys from AEW are saying about um, signing former WWE guys, saying like, hey, we're we're not just going to say ex-WWE guy, bam, you're here. Because then you look like a second-rate show to WWE. So what does Cody's comments mean in terms of, is Dean Ambrose going to AEW? I mean, he turned down millions of dollars from WWE. He's either not that into money or he's going to recoup that money by signing with AEW, who are the only other ones who can offer him that kind of payday. Although, actually, Chris Jericho came out and said Impact Wrestling offered him uh, a mid-figure, hold on, a a mid-seven-figure deal. So that's in the millions for four matches. So Impact Wrestling is throwing around some money. I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know if we're going to see ex-WWE guys in AEW. They're certainly letting you know that they don't plan on on hiring too many. That has been Cody and the Young Bucks uh, a talking point that they've given in media interviews is we're just not going to hire ex-WWE guys because the WWE guys. So what does that mean for Ty Dillinger, for uh, Dean Ambrose, for all these other people who are trying to get released or have contracts coming up? I don't know. But we have mentioned how this is the most exciting free agency period in pro wrestling in 20 years. And January was obviously big because January is when we got that first crop of Ross of, of wrestlers for AEW. The next big period is after WrestleMania because after WrestleMania is when a whole bunch of WWE contracts come off the books. We already know the Usos, the Hardys, plenty of others are coming off the books. So, so we'll see. I think that's it for this week. We've covered all the news going on in the world of pro wrestling. Just another reminder that uh, this site's going to kind of have limited stuff going on for the next week while producer Amy and I are away. Uh, We are getting closer to the stage where the site would be able to hire somebody to make up for our absence, but, but we're definitely not there yet. So thanks again to everybody who's been supporting this YouTube channel, this website. Thank you very much, everybody. I'm I'm the eye guy from Spoiler Free Wrestling, along with producer Amy. Bye. <laughs>